everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of Spoofed, uh, all things related to call centers and customer experience. My name is Jeff Kerchick. I'm the VP of Enterprise Sales at Nextcaller, where we're focused on creating frictionless authentication for customers calling into the call center. I'm joined today by Jamel, Jamel Jones, who is the director of IVR strategy at Comcast, a small company you might have heard of. Jamel, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, you know, obviously, we have the uh, coronavirus epidemic, which has been, uh, you know, it's been a really strange and scary time for all of us. How are you holding up in your quarantine? Are you uh, any new uh, any new hobbies, shows? Uh, what do you, what have you been getting into? Honestly, man, I've just been been holed up, finding ways to to stay in shape while at the house. Obviously, gyms are closed. I mean, I've also been catching up on a lot of TV and movies. So Tiger King has been a, a huge savior for me. I'm, I'm on a I just finished episode four of Tiger King. Do we think that Carol Baskin is, uh, is guilty? Hey, we got to keep it PC on here, but I think <laughs> sort of like with the OJ thing, there is no other suspect. So why wouldn't it have been her? Exactly. Well, I guess we'll. Uh, I have a few more episodes to watch. I guess before we'll, 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 we'll have a verdict. But uh, I've been kind of, yeah. I hear you on the fitness thing. I've been running. I, I started my own little side hustle, and uh, I've been bringing some next caller employees into workouts every day that I branded Kirch Fit. So if you are getting bored and looking for a way a, a way to work out, uh, maybe we'll bring you into Kirch Fit in the future. Um, but I, as much as I could talk about, you know, the quarantine life and all the great Netflix shows that we're getting to watch, the folks that are listening are probably going to be mostly interested in learning about what you're doing at Comcast. Um, obviously an awesome, uh, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the largest companies in the world, um, you know, managing a, a, a large swath of calls from customers for a variety of different problems, so very complex and sophisticated operation that you are uh, responsible for helping to run. So I'd love to learn a little bit about you, Jamel, what you do um, at Comcast. I'd love to learn about, you know, how you got into your role there, what you were doing previously, how you got into the field overall, um, and kind of how it got you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So I basically started in the call center space about a decade ago. It was my second job out of college. I was really good at data analytics and things of that nature, more sort of business analysis. So I, I got in with a company called Contact Solutions that's now a variant company that's based in Reston, Virginia, and worked for them for about five years, moving through the chain in an analyst role. And basically, while I was there, my job primarily focused on identifying issues with IVR systems as well as, well as uh, other self-service channels. And what I mean by that is I would spend a lot of time looking at data, reviewing call flows, reviewing you know customer complaints and feedback, and I would come up with opportunities to improve the application, whether they're bug fixes or whether they're just new cool functionality that we can actually implement and drive business benefit. So not just from a CX perspective, but also from a, a, a true self-service percentage. So we're actually saving customers, by customers, I mean companies, money, by them not having to take 
agent calls by with the customers actually being able to self-serve inside the application. So we, we worked with a swath of tech, technologies there from inbound and outbound IVRs, but also, you know, SMS applications, web applications as well. So after about five years there, I got an offer from Comcast to get into more management. I'm still working with IVRs. So I've been here for just over four years now, and I was actually recently promoted to Senior Director of Information Systems at Comcast. So my, my day-to-day is really around managing the operations of our enterprise IVR that does tens of millions of calls monthly, but also really driving the roadmap on what we're working on in each of our two-week sprints, integrating with other systems. So we have web applications, mobile applications, virtual assistants. We actually have self-service options on our TV screens now as well. I'm responsible for making sure all that stuff works day to day, making sure that all the integrations are made in a timely fashion, and then making sure that the improvements that we're making and both pieces that we're making are actually having the right impact on our customers. That's that's great. And I realized that I, because of your promotion, I already demoted you and I introduced you. I, I apologize for that, but congrats on the recent promotion. Um, you I know, appreciate so, it. So, yeah, it sounds like you're thinking about all the various channels that customers are using. You've mentioned that you have even the ability to self-service on the TV now, which kind of I thought which I thought was interesting. And it brings me to wanting to have a better understanding of the mantras that guide your work and how you're working towards them. You know, like, for example, at Nextcaller, we have these different um, mantras and full, you know, things that we want to accomplish, but ways that we work in terms of, you know, going to the source for information and things like that. And I'm just curious, like, what are the high level mantras that you guys are kind of plastering on the wall to, you know, as like a reminder every day of what you're working towards? Absolutely. Great question, Jeff. So I think the first one is making it work first. Everyone wants to talk about cool, new, sexy stuff. And, you know, all these new technologies that will cure world hunger. But in reality, customers really want to make sure whether they're calling in or working with any application that it actually works. So that if you're doing something extremely basic, like make a payment, we can query your balance, give you the right balance information, take your payment in a succinct way and process it in a timely fashion. Right. So making it work first is absolutely critical before you basically have to walk before you run obviously. But on top of that, I think it's using a data-driven approach. So again, I'm all for experiments and trying and seeing what we, we can find with stuff, but you have to really analyze that data because when you, when you d- dive deep into data, you can find you know room for improvement, things that aren't working as well as, as you thought. A lot of your hypotheses get disproved. But at the same time, by having that data and understanding that data, you can still feed it back into machine learning or artificial intelligence engines to make better enhancements going forward. And that's really what we do. We have a really strong continuous improvement team here at Comcast. And my team really is focused on identifying opportunities, implementing them, and then measuring them, and then following that circle every two weeks or even faster recently um, and deploying our releases so that you know we're constantly getting better. We don't take anything for granted that we know how this is going to work or things of that nature. We, we let the data do the talking and then we go from there. And I think that also, you know, we get escalations all the time from customers. Or not, I don't want to say all the time, like everyone complains, but high C-level people will send us a one-off call, for example, 
that will be a bad customer experience. And, you know, it's our job to look at it, figure out why it happened. And then also, you know, it's our obligation to figure out how often this happens. Sometimes it's a one-off API failure, right? Where the API is actually very resilient and runs a 99.999% success rate. And this is just one of the times where it didn't come back correctly. Other times it's a more rampant issue. It's a flow issue. It's a bug we hadn't found. But it's always key when you're in software development um, of any kind of application to really quantify the impact uh, before you spend the time on on the development and understand kind of the trade-off of if we the opportunity cost of if we spend our time on this, that impacts one call, how much time are we not spending on something that's a million calls? that might have been a much lower level of effort. So uh, we're always having to use that balancing act. We only get a certain amount of development capacity per, per sprint and there's opportunity cost over time. Yeah, and to kind of dovetail off that question, and, and you might not have a one-size-fits-all answer here, but how hard is it for you to try to identify those trends? Like, have you been able to build a scalable infrastructure that allows you to try to research those trends pretty easily? Or um, is, it a, is it challenging for you in certain ways? In, inside of the IVR, we have an ironclad reporting schema, so we can really tell what people are saying at each prompt, how well people are doing from a completion perspective. Since we really are measuring things from a true self-service perspective, not just like the standard call center metric of how many calls are contained in the IVR, which really means how many people hung up the phone, right? We want to know how many people actually completed a self-service transaction versus hung up because they were frustrated because our system was annoying, right? So we actually have reporting down to that level by prompt. We slice and dice it millions of ways. So from a, from an IVR perspective, we're in a very good spot from a reporting perspective. The challenge that we face is with all these different channels that I mentioned at the top of this, this podcast is really diving into that on what did the customer do more upstream, right? What did they do once we transitioned them to that next channel? How successful were they in those channels by prompt or step in those flows. That's where we're really going is to get better cross-channel visibility. Like I think each channel has their own reporting schema today, and each of them have varying levels of people who can analyze the data and, you know, and get down to the granularity that we can get to. But my team is heading up an initiative to basically get cross-channel reporting standards set up this next quarter so that we actually have parity across all channels, we're actually talking about metrics the same. So, you know, one cust- one group isn't saying we have a self-service rate of 80% and we say ours is something else, but they're talking about oranges and we're talking about pears. It is still, that is still a gap that we have today, but we're working to, to get much better at it. That's awesome. Um, you know, one thing that I would imagine is kind of creating all, you know, some, some issues and with, with all of that is obviously the coronavirus pandemic. And that's something that's on everybody's mind these days. I know that I've seen from within our customer base that there have been some pretty dramatic spikes in call volume. We've seen uh, as high as 50% increases in some cases within our client base in terms of the uh, the increase in calls. I know that just from talking to some other folks in the industry, they've seen call volume spike as much as 2000%, believe it or not, which is pretty crazy. Um, and when you consider that a lot of the folks that are managing these workforces are, are now kind of scrambling to have employees work from home, uh, they're a little bit short-staffed. 
So, you know, between the increase in call volume, being short on staff, having to make adjustments to a work from home policy, there's been several articles out there. I think Business Insider and Wall Street Journal have had these articles about uh, banks that are having trouble keeping up with the demand. I know that in my own personal experience, I've had to call some of my banks. I've had to call Amazon. Uh, Amazon actually kind of doesn't even really answer the phone right now. Um, it's kind of interesting. They're they're kind of uh, deferring people to chat because their phone lines are so clogged up, uh, as you can imagine, with people ordering things from Amazon. Um, so anyway, I, you know, not to regale people with all these various stories of my my personal experience, um, Jamel. I'd love to learn about how this is affecting you at at Comcast. I'm sure maybe some of the things I said are kind of kind of the, the, the status for you guys, but, you know, how is this impacting your call center and what are you guys doing to try to, to manage among, amidst these pretty turbulent times? I have just as many horror stories as you have uh, with trips that I had planned with hotels.com just to throw out one company that is actually, I still have not gotten in contact with, even though I, I had to cancel several weeks ago, they've not called me back or even answered my calls when I've tried to go to agents via web or Facebook Messenger or the phone. But for us at Comcast, I think we're dealing, to your point, Jeff, we're dealing with a lot of stuff. It's had a massive impact on us since we, as you know, have both call centers domestically and and, and offshore. For our domestic agents, obviously this all came like lightning fast. I mean, we're talking about just a month ago, no one was talking about the coronavirus to two weeks ago, it's a pandemic and everyone needs to stop being within six feet of each other, um, which has impacted all of our call centers where we basically couldn't have people sitting side by side anymore, right? It needs to be multiple seats apart. So that obviously reduced our staffing. Additionally, we've, you know, initially we didn't have all of our domestic agents trained or um, with the equipment to work from home. Over the last week alone, we've gotten all of our agents to be able to work from home. And that's basically quadrupled that force, but we still have a Delta from the offshore perspective. So we're still working through that. On top of that, my whole team has had to you know, move to work from home as well as a lot of people at, at headquarters. So it's it's been nonstop for everyone, not just from a call center level, but just across our company. We spend a lot of time resolving customers' issues in their house or installing equipment in their house. So the company's had to change the protocols around going into people's houses and what circumstances do they go into people's houses and things of that nature. So the net net of that is, is this, we've had more inbound call volume, which is a problem from a staffing perspective, but then we've also had less staff, right? Because of those, those constraints that we just talked about. So that's, that's led to some nightmare days with long hold times for our customers, things of that nature. But we are offering our, our callbacks. So we have, various integrations with companies like Virtual Hold, or we can actually call you back. We have the ability to contact customers via social media. We have the ability to contact customers on our mobile application and our web application where they can do chat, which obviously, you know, is, is more of an asynchronous transaction. So all of that is, is, is helping us. But, you know, we've been hurt as much as anyone else just based on how quickly the coronavirus turned from you know, fake news to a really, really, really serious pandemic. I mean, it's been weeks and we've tried our best to get up to speed. 
Well, for what it's worth, I had to call Comcast a few weeks ago to get some service set up in the, the new location where I am, and it went smoothly, and everything is working quite well in, in my house here. So uh, that's one experience. But you know, you mentioned something there that I'd love to just follow up on, and I don't know how much uh, – I know you overlook more the IVR, so I'm not sure how much insight you – have into this, but would be curious if you do, just given that the folks who are listening are probably thinking about the same problems you listed. Uh, in terms of getting folks acclimated to the work from home environment, do you have much insight into what that process looked like um, and, and how you guys were able to get it done? I don't know if it involved like video training or new technology or, or something along those lines. It was a bunch of that. It was a bunch of video training, a bunch of the IT people have worked big time over time over weekends and all that stuff just to get all the right equipment set out to people's homes. Because, you know, again, think about it. People in call centers a lot of times have two monitors, sometimes three, right? So if you're just have a laptop that you take home, you might not have that. We'd have to get all those shipped out, getting all the right security protocols in place, all that stuff. So it's been a really wide ranging change for a company to get all these people who we're not necessarily ready to work from home set up that way. And same thing with getting like, you know, all the phone systems set up as well to to handle the calls. So it's been, it's been significant. Sure. That makes sense. Um, One thing that that, that I was kind of thinking about and, and uh, I'm curious to hear your perspective, you know, I think there's kind of an unfair stigma about calling your cable company, people kind of dread calling the cable company. And I think the same is true maybe for certain industries like airlines and things like that. And, um, you know, I, from my personal experience, I remember when I was moving to New York city near, I guess this was nearly seven years ago, people were saying, you know, Oh, you're going to have to use charter for your cable and that's going to be a nightmare. And I, and I always thought it was kind of funny because every time I've first and foremost, I've really had very few issues with, uh, my cable company. But even when I do, um, when I call them, it's been pretty easy for the most part. Like I, I can't really think of times where I've called and like really had to go, you know, through the rabbit hole on anything. They, they're pretty advanced in terms of recognizing who I am and being predictive about why I'm calling. Um, so I guess this is my way of saying, I feel like this is a stigma. Maybe it has something to do with the uh, you know, what motivates somebody to call a cable company versus, um, you know, calling a consumer packaged goods brand or something like that. But how do you think the the industry is adapting to change that perception, you know, and and specifically at Comcast, what are you guys doing to um, eliminate this uh, stigma, whether it's fair or unfair? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think that we're an essential product. Customers rely on us for their internet and TV mainly, and uh, that is absolutely critical. It's even become more critical in today's times with people having to stay at home and TV and internet are the best ways to chill at home and enjoy yourself. So it's critical that we stay up and stable during these times. But to your point about you know the reason for their call, people are not gonna call you when they're watching Netflix and they're enjoying themselves. They're not gonna call you when they're surfing the web and everything's running fine. We're only going to get calls when it's not running fine, right? For problem areas. So I think that the stigma of calling absolutely is going to be a bad experience. It's not like we don't want it to be a bad experience, but it is something that people wouldn't want to do and will be already in with a negative connotation because it might not be working 
or they're doing something like paying a bill or something like that that is not as fun as just enjoying the TV or your internet normally. With that being said, our customer experience back years ago, decades before I started, was considered horrible. I mean, by any metric you look at. But over the last 10 years, especially the last four years since, you know, I, what, since I've been here, I mean, I've been blown away coming from the outside to see how many teams are spun up under our CX organization, how much um, our NPS scores have risen basically into, into positive territory with our customers over the last few years as we've continued to build out our, our strategy, be more stable with our, not just our service in general, our TV and internet service, but as well as our self-service applications, building applications in every mode you can imagine from social media to virtual assistant to IDR, text message, as we talked about TV application. So, you know, we have really spent a lot of time in that in that space. We continue to, to hope that customers see the impact that we're making. Absolutely. Well, what, you know, I guess one of the thing, maybe this is a good place to elaborate. I was going to ask you, like, what are some of the other cool things you've implemented in the IVR to improve the experience? So I guess while we're on the subject of how you are kind of thinking about this future state, uh, IVR and customer experience, maybe this is a good opportunity to just touch on some of the things that you've implemented, um, and, and even if you're up to it, some of the things you're, you're looking at down the road. Absolutely. Since I'm on your podcast, I'll first give you guys a shout out. We do a lot of work with you guys. You guys have helped us greenlight a lot of calls to know that they are ironclad. They're coming from the right carriers. We know who we're talking to. So we've been able to implement more personalization um, as a beginning to our call where we actually can greet our customers by first name. Um, we know definitively that they only are a single u- user on the account and we know them from their phone number. Um, so that's been one huge piece of it. That also has helped us as we continue to become more personalized on the agent desktop, right? So we can pass in customers who we know are fully authenticated. We know who we're speaking to. We can actually greet our customers by name in the IVR, but also by name and with their intent of their call on the agent desktop. So that's been a huge win. I I know our customers have left it as well that they're not having to repeat themselves in the IVR. They're not being asked who they are when they've already authenticated themselves. And we know definitively who we're speaking to. On top of that, we've also spent a lot of time in the predictive intent space. So working with our other cross-channel partners to understand what happened upstream and also obviously what happened in our application as recently as yesterday or you know earlier in the day to not ask customers the same questions resolve their issues faster, get them to agents faster. On top of that, we've launched some pretty cool applications through integrations with our TV. In certain use cases like rescheduling your appointment, it's a much better experience to do that with a visual interface where you have a calendar and you can see all the times that are available each day, right? You can bring that to your calendar, opposed to doing it in the voice channel where we're going to have to list off every single one of those times and days and people have to pick you know we have to recognize all that stuff with speech which is is difficult so transitioning customers to visual interfaces like web tv mobile application visual assistant is a much better experience for our customers in those in those circumstances and then the last piece i'd like to mention is that you know we are dipping into artificial intelligence and machine learning so sort of like we talked about at the beginning of this call 
there are a lot of opportunities um, to look at our data from all of our different channels, all of our different contact points, and really understand what our customers are doing, why our customers are calling us or contact us anywhere, and uh, what we can do to make um, smarter offers and predictive intent options based on that. So that's been critical for us. Yeah, I think I think that's fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously this AI and machine learning stuff, these huge buzzwords. I feel like every time I'm giving a sales pitch and I drop those terms, people kind of roll their eyes. But um, that's just the wave of the, where we're going today. And being being able to predict what somebody's calling about and trying to meet them on their level, I think comes back to that mantra, one of the mantras you mentioned earlier. So I think it's really cool, and we'll have to keep an eye out on some of the stuff you're working on. Actually, along those lines, can you give me a little color on how you are transitioning people into other channels? Absolutely, Jeff. So uh, there are a couple ways we do it. One is if we have the customer on a mobile number on file and we have an API set up, we can actually just directly send text messages to their mobile number on file, or they'll actually receive either a screen pop of the Xfendi Assistant, which is our uh, virtual assistant, or a text message with a link to my account web, uh, which is our, our mobile care website. Uh, I can actually play you guys a recording of that right now. Thanks for calling, Jamel. I have the numbers of your street address as 2-0, apartment 3-F. Is this the account you're calling about? Yes. Okay. Give me a few seconds to review your account. In a few words, tell me how I can help you today. I have questions about my bill. Billing questions can easily be answered through your Xfinity Assistant over text messaging. I just texted you a link that you can use to complete your transaction with Xfinity Assistant. <clears throat> my last question, Jamel, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you here. I think people are always, you know, well, they love to hear about the the good times, but um, people always, you know, I think are kind of interested in hearing about a, what, what, what does a bad day look like? I've had my own bad days. If somebody were to say, what were, you know, the top 10 worst days of your career and working in sales, I'd, I'd probably be able to come with that, come up with that pretty easily. So I'd, I'm kind of curious to hear what's your craziest day at the office. I mean, not necessarily the worst day, but what was like the craziest day that you had working at Comcast. Um, you know, what is, what it's like to be involved in managing the, the call center there. Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, no one, no one likes to hear about the good times. Everyone wants to see the the tragedy and there wouldn't be a good show or movie made if there wasn't some plot line or conflict. So exactly. So let's hear. Yeah, let's hear. Let's, let's hear your uh, your your worst time. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, a great example is is recently. So uh, I'd have to think back to probably a few weeks ago uh, once we started the, the whole COVID program with Internet Essentials, where our company uh, basically offered two months free to any new eligible Internet Essentials customer. To be eligible for Internet Essentials, you have to you have to first be eligible for another public assistance program such as like the National School Lunch Program or Medicaid or SSI or things of that nature. But there are plenty of customers who just saw the headline of Comcast is offering two months of free service. So customers who did not qualify um, and had been customers for very a very 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 long time would call in and just say, "Where's my free two months of service?" So we had to spend a lot of time putting up broadcast messages, 
putting up different disambiguation questions with the IVR, handling staffing issues to uh, properly communicate who the offer was to and um, and going from there. Um, it was some very, very, very long nights working multiple releases over a span of days uh, just to remediate that issue. Sounds pretty tough, but sounds like you have also kind of got things under wraps at this point. Sounds uh, so that's that's good news. Um, cool. Well, let's see here. I think that's pretty much all the list of questions that I had for you today, Jamel. Is there anything you'd like to add about you know if maybe just one last uh, piece here would be like you know if, if there was like a younger version of you or somebody who's aspiring to do what you do any bits of advice you would give that person? Well, just keep your ears open. I mean, don't think that you've learned it all. You're always, you can always learn new stuff. There's always new technologies and better ways to do things. Even assumptions you had from a year ago may no longer be true as things change with your customers or with your company. There's always cool new technologies. We're always evaluating new technology, always trying to make things better. So never stop. It's always a it's a marathon of the continuous improvement game. I like that. It's it's kind of meta because this is a podcast that will probably be educational for some people. So as you're encouraging people to keep their ears open, maybe they're in a way kind of heeding that advice just by listening in. Um, Jamel, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us, especially uh, I know with everything going on and how busy you are, uh, you know, your time is in high demand. So we really appreciate having you on today. Um, you know, you're a rising star within the space. So people will definitely be keeping their eyes on you. For everybody who listened in, thank you for joining. This was the first episode of Spoofed. Have a great week.